0: Two years ago, a documentary came out chronicling the story of Alzheimer's patients who would experience periodic moments of intense memory recall. Some of you may have seen the documentary. It's entitled uh, Alive Inside. Anybody? Alive Inside? You know, I'm probably more afraid of getting Alzheimer's than I am of getting cancer, um, Alzheimer's, it's been called the most feared disease in America uh, for the reasons that Shelton enumerated earlier and, and for the reasons that we all have witnessed. I mean, how, how insidious can a disease be that erases all of the faces whom you have seen all of your life and all of the memories you have shared with them and, and even erases your own identity. Some of us are very afraid of early stage Alzheimer's. And we walk around maybe as uh, Alzheimer's hypochondriacs. Every time we can't remember a name or a date or an event. We, we are afraid it may be happening. But I said, Alive Inside shows these Alzheimer patients having intense I remember moments. And do you know what triggered them? It wasn't. Looking at pictures, it wasn't some experimental medical therapy or some new special brain surgery. One thing and one thing alone brought visceral, physical life to these patients. Do you know what it was? It was music. Yeah. When they began to listen to music from 50 to 60 years ago, these people came alive. If you watch the the documentary, you'll see one elderly man start to dance in his wheelchair after they put the headphones on and the music is blaring. They dance, they sing, they remember lyrics. Their family members and doctors stand there watching amazed as a world that had seemed to be entirely gone from them forever is rediscovered. If you ask scientists, why does this happen? Well, we don't exactly know. We don't exactly know the reasons why music touches something primal and deep inside of us. But the psalms know. The psalms know this power. The power of music and poetry to, to touch us down deep. And I can think of no more lovely psalm to, to consider uh, uh, how, to, how to store truth down deep inside of you. Then Psalm 103, which is our passage this morning. Let's look at it if you turn in your bulletin. If you want to sing Psalm 103, the most famous hymn that is based on this psalm, it was Henry Francis Little's hymn, 1834, Praise My Soul, the King of Heaven. That was his rendering of the psalm. More recently, and I hadn't talked to Susie about this when the liturgy was planned, but, uh, you know, Chris, not Chris Tummel, but Matt Redmond's 10,000 Reasons obviously has elements of this psalm in it. But really, the psalm, uh, what I love about the psalm is it's a, catalog, it's a catalog of goodness. There's not a single petition in this whole psalm. He never asks for anything. David lists simply 17 reasons to be thankful, just 17 benefits from the Lord Jesus Christ that we are to forget not, which is a roundabout way of saying, remember, remember. Read with me verses 1 through 5 out loud. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins. And heals all your diseases. Who redeems your life from the pit. And crowns you with love and compassion. Who satisfies your desires with good things. So that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He made his ways known to Moses. His deeds to the children of Israel. The Lord is So far has he removed our transgressions from us. Let's read verses 13 through 18 aloud. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. The life of mortals is like grass. They flourish like a flower of the field. The wind blows over it, and it is gone, and its place remembers it no more. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him, and his righteousness with their children's children, with those who keep his covenant and remember to obey his precepts. The Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, you his angels, you mighty ones who do his bidding, who obey his word. Bless the Lord, all his heavenly hosts, you his servants who do his will. Bless the Lord, all his works, everywhere in his dominion. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. Here's the problem with our memories. The things we should remember, the things which which give us strength and confidence, the things that affirm us and build us up, those are the things that fade almost immediately out of our consciousness. But the hurtful things and the bruising things, the cruel and condemning things, those we instantly recall and, and kind of remember them in high definition. Isn't that true? You know, sin has so warped our memories. Uh, if, if somebody, for instance, if somebody says something, uh, criticizes your intellect or criticizes your appearance, uh, if, uh, if somebody says to you at the age of 15 that you'll never amount to anything in your life, you, you'll be a loser, or, those words that might have been spoken several decades ago, I mean, you can hear them today, can't you? They are right there with you. It's always there. And those words, those words outweigh all of the compliments and the good words that we have received ever since. One author writes, he asks this question. He says, why does somebody have to tell you you're great a hundred times before you believe it, but only once do they have to tell you you stink before you believe that? Why, if you're a teacher, why is it that you could get 200 positive Teacher, evalu- student evaluation r- reports, but it's just that one parent or that, that one student, that's the one that you remember. And it's because sin has so distorted our memories so that the things that we need to forget, we forget not. And the things we desperately need to remember are the ones you know, that pass with the wind. I think David understands this. David, as as you know, and as Shelton said earlier in the service, was a man who had plenty of things which he needed to forget. You know, plenty of bloodshed and adultery. Um, he understands this, and I, that's why he preaches Psalm 103 to his soul. And this is—it's kind of like a sermon. He's—he's he's talking to himself. And he sings this, this psalm, this sermon to his heart and soul. This past week, our team, as I said at the beginning, we, um, we spent our week working with Sacred Road Ministries on the Warm Springs Reservation. And uh, I had plenty of time to sing this psalm to my soul. So what I did is I, I committed verses one through five to memory. I memorized them this week. Kind of embarrassed to say that I had never memorized. 103, 1 through 5, but I hadn't. And what I would, I don't know, challenge you, recommend to you, is you do the same this week. You commit to memorizing verses 1 through 5. And even, even better than that, you just make up a tune and sing it. I mean, even if, it really doesn't matter what tune it is, but record yourself singing it I mean, those of us who've done that, you can memorize huge chunks of the Bible that way. I mean, I I memorized entire books of the Bible by just making up tunes. And you can do that too. Sing verses 1 through 5 to yourself. Let's see how well I, I did memorize it. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquities and heals all your diseases. Uh-oh. <laughs> uh, who who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with loving kindness, who satisfies your mouth with good things, so that your so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. And then it was so apropos, verse six was I memorized that one too. It says, The Lord works righteousness and justice for the oppressed. There's no, hardly any more oppressive place in America than an Indian reservation. In Luke chapter 12, Jesus says something uh, ominous. <laughs> "Quote," He said, that nothing, There is nothing covered that shall not be revealed, and neither hidden that shall not be known. Therefore, whatsoever you have spoken in darkness, that shall be heard in the light. And that which you have spoken in in the ear in closets, that shall be proclaimed upon the housetops. Let's imagine for a moment a huge public uh, gallery in one of the largest rooms of the Boise Art Museum. On the walls, the featured display in the museum is uh, you. It's about you. It shows everything you've done, every word you've said, every thought you've had, and it's all there for everyone to see. Mortifying, isn't it? (laughs) No doubt there will be parts of that exhibit which you're proud to have on display. We do have successes and achievements. There have been times when we have been generous with our time, talents, and, and money, but there will be Thousands of other things that we don't want anybody to see, even our closest friends to see. It's not only the terrible things that we have done and said, but they're also the things that we should have done and the words that we should have said. I know that if, if my life was on display in an, in an art museum, I would be utterly ashamed. I wouldn't be able to look Many people in the eye. Would you? Would you? That's why uh, the words here of the psalm are so precious. So when David begins to survey the the kaleidoscope of all the goodness that God has shown him, the very first thing, what is the very first thing he thanks him for? It's for the forgiveness of sins. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits who forgives all your iniquities. Then it goes forward in verse 11 and 12 to provide us one of the most uh, amazing metaphors of the forgiveness of sins. Read there with me. Verse 11. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed your transgressions from you. Um, You wake up in the morning and you see this morning when I was on my run uh, such a a spectacular sunrise because of the terrible air quality. But you look at the horizon in the west. And then at the end of the day, you look at the horizon in the east. There's a tremendous span between the two. And let's say that you started to walk towards the east, a, a day's journey on foot, 25 miles You do another 25 miles the next day, 50 miles. You journey several days. You journey 500 miles towards the east. Then you stop and you look. How far is the eastern horizon from the western horizon after you've traveled that distance? It's infinitely far because they're infinitely apart. The eastern horizon and the western horizon, they will never come together. What David is saying, in Christ, God has removed your transgressions as far as the east is from the west, which means they are infinitely gone through the finished work of Jesus Christ. They are, they are so gone <laughs> that they will never come back again. They are unconditionally gone. And it's not just the 3% of our sins that we're aware of or that we remember it. It's the 97% that we are not. And so, friends, when was the last time you sang that to your soul? When was the last time you repeated that again and again to your soul? In Deuteronomy chapter 8, God says to the children of Israel that when you come into the promised land, you need to beware lest your heart becomes proud and you forget me. All throughout the Old Testament, there's that constant refrain, do not forget me. When they cross over the River Jordan, God works a miracle and he stops the waters, you know, further up the river so that the people walk across the dry riverbed into the promised land. What was it that God told them to do? He said, you're to pick up some of the largest stones, which you can find in the bottom of that riverbed, and you are to stack them on the other side, on the far shore of the river. Why? Why? So that whenever you go by them for the rest of your days, you'll remember I did this because you are going to forget it. The constant refrain is, "You are going to forget." Can they not remember basic historical events in their past? No, to forget something, um, it's not about mental recall. It's to let something slip from your mind so that it's, it's no longer controlling you anymore. It's no longer vivid and controlling. One of the most humiliating things in life is when you look back and you, you see the commitments that you have made either to yourself or to other people. How you've said to yourself, I will never do that again. I will absolutely never click on that page again. I will never, I will never put myself in that situation again. And then what? Sometimes even the very next day, sometimes even the very day, you find yourself doing it again. Is it because you just you forgot that you made that commitment? No, it's because, because it's no longer vivid and controlling you. The reason we must sing salvation songs to our souls, the reason we have to preach to our souls in order to make the gospel vivid and controlling again and make it the controlling factor in our lives, because we so quickly forget. Well, look with me at the next metaphor in verses 3 and 4. We read it that he forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. Uh, Maybe that's metaphorical for, um, I don't know, is that what's going to happen? Is he talking about the day of resurrection in the future? Not all of our sicknesses are healed. I mean, that's what we were praying about earlier. But but notice then four, he redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion. The picture here is is similar to the setting in ancient Rome where you would oftentimes in Roman society, you'd have a wealthy uh, man with great land holdings who did not have a male heir And so it was perfectly acceptable and and oftentimes would happen that he would go and he would adopt a male slave to be his heir. And David here is inviting us to imagine that you are at an auction and you are the one that is in the pit. You have been dropped into a pit and there are chains around your ankles and your, your wrists. The chains are cutting into your skin. When suddenly the slave master who has organized the auction comes and he looks into the pit and he says, good news, somebody, some man has come who has uh, a lot of money and and he has redeemed you. So they pull you out of the pit and they take the chains off of your wrists and your ankles. It's so good to finally have all of that weight that was on you. You You feel free and light again. It's wonderful to be saved and redeemed. But there's more. As you look up and you see the man walking toward you who has redeemed you, you look and you see it's the emperor. It's the emperor who has done this. And to the astonishment of the slave master and the slave auction, he, he places a crown of laurels on your head. What do you think it means that he crowns you with loving kindness and compassion? He places a crown of laurels on your head. You've just been in the pit and he puts a purple robe around you and he takes you into his palace and he says, welcome son, welcome daughter. You are now in the royal family and all that is mine is yours. See, it's a wonderful thing to be redeemed. I mean, what can you say about being crowned? And when was the last time you sang that to your soul? The way the day... uh, is broken up at Sacred Road. The first half of your day, you're supposed to spend doing community infrastructure development. Uh, And last year, we got to do some pretty significant work. Uh, White people are not allowed uh, at the longhouses, which are kind of the sacred, special meeting places on the reservation. The last year we were able, if you recall, to scrape the old flaking paint off of the side of the longhouse and paint a a very large structure. We were looking forward to doing something similar this year. They said we were going to be able to go to a longhouse again, which needed its shingles removed, and so we would spend our week tearing off 5,000 square feet of shingles and then laying felt paper on, on the roof. But... As is so often the case on the reservation, the the request for the materials which had been placed over a month ago, maybe even two months ago, was never fulfilled. So instead of going to the longhouse, oh, I forgot to say, the second half of the day we spend working with kids at the Boys and Girls Club. So we start out on day one, and they have taken us to a, a park there, and um, the park looks... Pretty similar to the, uh, I don't know, to the bad part of our property. <laughs> the, uh, the hillside that has all of the weeds. and I mean, there's not a single blade of grass in the entire park. It, it's nothing but weeds. And there's tons of d- dead and, and diseased tree limbs that have fallen down. There's tons of garbage. And for some reason, people on the reservation... They just don't throw away their, their trash. They just throw it on the ground. So day number one, we spent our time walking around the park, just picking up all, all the big trash and even the smallest pieces of trash. We also picked up dead wood that was lying around. And at the end of day number one, I thought, there's really nothing more we can do to this park. We, we have exhausted it. I sure hope we get to go work on a longhouse on day number two. Well, that never happened. Day m- number two, we were back at the park there were no longer any large pieces of wood to carry, so we started cutting off low hanging branches on trees that had never been pruned their entire lives and Because the wood was was diseased, when it would fall down on the ground, it would splinter into a million little twigs. so we ended up going from big wood down to uh, picking up sticks throughout the course of the day and at the end of day number two, i said there 's just nothing more that we can do on this park. We've exhausted everything that we... Day number three comes, and we start weeding. There's nothing but weeds. And all we have are crowbars, because some of the weeds are that deep, and a screwdriver. I mean, come on. This is, an, this is such an act, activity of futility. I, I mean, this is like moving a, a beach with a pair of tweezers. I mean, why are, we, why are we doing this? Part of the reason why is when you're weeding with, with a screwdriver, you have a lot of time to think about life. When you have no cell phone service and you're just surrounded by weeds, you have a, you have a lot of time to listen to the things that are being spoken to your soul. You discover the man there's a lot of unhealthy stuff. <laughs> there are songs that are so cruel and disheartening that are that are being sung inside yourself. I mean, it was it was an epiphany to realize and no wonder I don't feel joy in my life because listen to the things that are being spoken. And so I began you know I began to sing a new song. One other story from Sacred Road. There was only one family that was living on the park at the time. They were staying, camping in a traditional teepee. The lady's name was, was it Jolene? Was that right, guys? Was that it? I think her name was Jolene. I never got the name of the guy. But they were down on the river one day, the river that ran adjacent to the park, and they had a big catch of freshwater eels. They were preparing these freshwater eels for to serve uh, 300 people at, at the night's gathering. It was for the tribal leaders, and it was I guess it was a big shindig. But they ended up conscripting David Eagle and my dad, who was on the trip. And so they spent part of their afternoon cutting off eel heads and gutting the eels and, and hearing stories. I mean, whenever anybody starts to entrust to you their story, that... That is a, a special moment. What was significant to me about Jolene, she had two dogs that were mangy little creatures. She introduced them as Bora Bora and Bear. Uh, and that was, that's where she, she sought me out, just to let me know that if you see the two dogs, uh, they're named Bora Bora and Bear. She had a scar that ran probably from her temple all the way down to her, her jaw. And three, maybe four of her front teeth were missing. When you see somebody disfigured, you always want to ask the question, what happened? But you, can, you never can. When somebody's disfigured in their face, it, it's so impolite to ask, you know, why? I noticed that a lot of the kids in Kids Club, they had scars all over their arms. One of the boys who I played a lot of basketball with last year, his arms, it almost looked like somebody had spilled boiling hot water on his arms because they, there were all these scars on his arms. But I didn't ask why. You can't ask. You can't ask why. You know, many of us are deeply scarred. I, I would go so far as to say all of us are deeply scarred on the inside. And you can't ask the person why. You can't even see them. We come to church dressed in our Sunday best, right? And you look at us from the outside but you can't see those things. And I think the only way that you'll really be able to clean out those wounds. And to provide healing is to sing psalms of salvation like this one to yourself. That goes down deep. Let me conclude with verse 8 and eight through 10. Here David is quoting from one of the most famous parts of the Old Testament. From Exodus chapter 34 verses 6 and 7. Which really serves as the spine of the Bible. It comes from the event where Moses is up on Mount Sinai. The people are down in the valley, dancing around a golden calf. They're playing the role of idolaters. And Moses says to God, I want to know who you are. Will you please show to me the core of your being? And God says, I will. I will declare to you my name, which is the very essence of who I am. And this is his name. It's the Lord, the Lord, compassionate and gracious, Slow to anger, abounding in love. The Lord who will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. Who does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. Um, remembering, remembering is not putting lots and lots of information on your hard drive. That's not wisdom. No matter how many gigabytes you store on your hard drive, that. That apparatus is not getting any wiser. No matter how much information you have in your head, that doesn't make you wiser. Remembering is the transformation of your character through an encounter with the living God. Hear what he's promising in Psalm 103. He's saying that if you will ponder my nature... If you will ponder over the character of God, the love of God, if you will puzzle over it, if you will consider it sufficiently, rightly, and properly, if you will consider it deeply, your heart will be transformed, your, your week will be changed, your life will be changed. It's quite an invitation, isn't it? It's the invitation to come alive inside again by pondering his name. Driving back yesterday through the Blue Mountains, there was a deer that ran out into the road as we were driving. We had to you know, slam the brakes and thankfully we didn't hit the deer. If there was a large boulder in the middle of that road and I wanted to move that boulder, suppose one way I could do so is I could put an explosive charge around the outside of it and detonate it. The, the, the problem with doing so is it might only... Provide a superficial wound or superficial damage to a, lo- a rock of massive size. But if you were to drill into the rock and stuff dynamite into the heart of the rock and then you lit it, what are you doing to get the gospel deep inside of you? That's what you need to do. You need to come alive again. Inside by singing of these things daily and even hourly. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Amen.